0: are listening to a stroke of luck podcast i'm diana
1: and i'm tyler we hope you enjoy the show
0: hey guys welcome back
1: yeah we're glad to have you here on another episode in the middle of winter we're staying warm inside mm-hmm. and uh diana introduce everybody to our special guest this week
0: what is your name <laughs> my
2: name is cassie cassie hmm you can chop all of this,
1: right? <laughs> nope. <laughs> what? No, I'm kidding. It's yeah, we gets out. out.
0: <laughs> so ah oh, I said it in my head. Uh Cassie. Yes. <laughs> hey Cassie. Hey Diana. Hey.
1: <laughs> so Cassie's joining us today because she is the mother. Of somebody with a disability, and I won't spoil it. We'll let Cassie introduce herself, okay, and uh, and tell us a little bit about you know yourself and um, your your children and what makes them unique.
2: Oh boy, I could be here all day for that <laughs> one. <laughs> so yes, uh, my name is Cassie. I am. Actually just met you guys a few weeks ago and you guys yes. are amazing. Through a
1: mutual friend.
2: <laughs> a mutual well, not friend. my mutual friend, yes. but you, you guys are amazing. I'm so inspired by your story and just your family and all your support is really touching. Well, thank you. Yeah, you should be very proud of how far you've come. You really should. Um, and I hope you are. I'm sure you are. Um, So again, I'm Cassie and I'm here because um, I am actually mom to not one, but two somebodies um, with disabilities. So both of my sons have different disabilities, but um, very different, but some overlap of some of the key kind of struggles and uniqueness that they might have. My older son has autism, very high functioning. Um, Sometimes it's hard to spot and then other times you're like, oh, yep, there it is. There it's definitely there. <laughs>
1: yeah, my um, my younger brother Eric, um, for the longest time
2: mm-hmm.
1: they when he was here in New York was diagnosed with like ADHD and O C D. And then when they went to Pennsylvania and saw another doctor, they saw the doctor was like, No, he he's on the spectrum in what used to be called Asperger's. Mm-hmm. Um, a very mild case of that. And so when you say high functioning, it kind of reminds me a little bit of my brother, Eric.
2: Mm-hmm. I think a lot of your people who y- y- we do call high functioning would have been classified as Asperger's prior. And I know there's kind of a huge debate in the disability field. Well, first of all, what does it actually mean? And second of all, I think that people who had that diagnosis feel like something was maybe taken away from them a little bit. It kind of set them apart from, well, like I don't have autism, It you know, it's different. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Then you have people on the other side of that spectrum, so to speak, who are saying, well, it's all just one continuous spectrum of very low functioning. So as you were saying earlier, nonverbal to so high functioning where like you're um, almost like a savant or something, but you have some social isms, you know, you're a little different socially or don't pick up on facial expressions, body language, things like that. That's more like my son. Very he has cool. very, very unique interests as well. Yeah. Which yeah. comes with it, really. Yeah. Kind of exactly. comes with it. I remember
1: as a as a kid, um, my younger brother Eric, he would hyperfocus yeah. on certain things. So there was a video game called Dynasty Warriors, and it was about China in the the feudal ages. And so he learned everything that anybody could ever want to know about the history of China. And then um, it transitioned from that into baseball. So at one point he could tell you everything about every baseball team and player that existed. I believe it. Yeah, I and, love it. And so when you say like hyperfixating on something, that would just remind me of that. Yeah. And then you have another son with a little bit of a different disability.
2: Yes. So how old is your kids? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. So my oldest son is eight. My younger okay. son is five. Okay. He's going to be six soon. Um, kids, they, kids, kids, kids. Like, <laughs> yeah. yes, little kids. <laughs> Yet it feels like I've been doing this forever. <laughs> um, yeah, so they're like very different, but then very much the same. Their interests somehow, they're, they have a lot of the same interests. And that's great for me because I'm like, oh, you know, we don't have to buy like all these, you know, toys that he likes. And then he's got his like, they just really mesh well in some ways. Yeah.
1: And I think that a lot of that also comes from being siblings, too. Like you, yes. you pick up your interests from your siblings.
2: Hopefully so. Yeah. I think maybe like different uh, gender children sometimes yeah. that might be different. Like yeah. a, a brother and a sister. I don't know. You have a brother. How was that for you? you oh, pick they're up on all the same. See what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> they have
1: the same mannerisms though. And that <laughs> is, uh, remember when, oh, it was uh, it was one of our ex- uh, subscriber exclusive episodes, <laughs> no. but there was a little YouTube <laughs> teaser where she like belched just in. She was just. We were on the podcast, and she's just like, Bleh. "Oh, oh, oops!" But her and her brother are both just manners of barn children. I don't know. But but different interests
0: at the house versus like out
2: of the house. Oh yeah, no. Home is different oh, than.
1: I think that's true.
2: Out of Restaurant, like or something out in public. Yeah. Anyway, I hear you there.
0: Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> my older brother is here, but she he. Is she, sick, Joe, but, she
1: called you a girl again. Sorry. <laughs> her aphasia has made her call so many people girls since we've started doing this.
2: I'm sorry. No, I didn't even pick up on it. It's it's good. He is <laughs>
0: sick right now, and he Uh-oh. is in his room right
2: now. I hope he feels better. Thank you. That's rough. There's a lot going around right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. Unfortunately, not COVID, because that would make three times in a row.
2: Oh, geez. Versus I... Have I didn't get it yet? Are you, how did you how did you dodge that?
1: Her I, and her grandmother.
2: I mean, good for you. <laughs> You're like one of the only people in America who like gotten COVID yet. <laughs> oh uh, man, but yeah, yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah. Well, um, one of the things that we want to do with this podcast is not just focus on ourselves, mm-hmm. um, because we recognize there are so many disabilities and people that interact with people who have disabilities, whether it be family, professional, and we want to create a community of disability. And we actually, our last guest on the podcast, his name was um, Tim Sutton, Mm -hmm. and he coined the term differability. I like that. So um, we'll probably use that a lot more often. Thank you so much, Tim. I think that's perfect perfect term Mm -hmm. and he he says it's a differability because everybody has an ability yes it's just different
2: and you know also i have a friend who likes to use the term differently abled differently abled being in all caps right yeah and i love that because the focus is not on what a person can't do it's on what they can do exactly and if we mm-hmm. focus on what people can't do we're going to miss out on so much that they have to offer right absolutely and for you know there are studies out there um the books that I'm actually reading right now saying that for every every label we have for somebody right whether it's a disability of some disability mental illness anything like that really it comes with a positive or some kind of extraordinary ability. Yeah. But people don't focus on that. We focus on how people are different, right? And yeah. we think, Oh, different is bad.
1: And that's really is ingrained. Bad. It's mm-hmm. really ingrained in our, mm-hmm. in our culture mm-hmm. and a lot of cultures throughout the world. We had a, a commenter say that he was from, um, the middle East region and they just kill people. If they're disabilities, they mm-hmm. just kill them.
2: Oh my heart. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. And it,
1: so it's, it's really ingrained as like something's wrong. Yeah. And yes, it's true that you are not normal like other people. You're still a human being with thoughts and emotions. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the in one one unique perspective that, you know, I don't have knowing Deanna, but Deanna's family has is they got to see her before her disability and after her disability. Yeah. And so it really drives that point home that, you're the same person
2: just maybe unable to access some of those things for a time. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you were able to a lot with all of the intense therapies and whatnot that you had.
0: After my stroke, I was mute and I know what I wanted to say everything in my head, but not speak it.
1: Wow. And that's a really fascinating part about yeah. brain injury, but mm-hmm. disability in general, because most disabilities have some function of brain and neurons and neurological development. And so it's interesting to see in speech, for one example, where you and I might think of speech, it's just the brain, you have the thought and it comes out, but there are two different pathways where you can think, of, think the thing mm-hmm. but not say it.
2: You're thinking like expressive and receptive language, yeah. right? Yes.
1: Big words that so, I don't know.
2: Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> well, no, I know, but I, I do. don't say.
2: <laughs> you would know. If that's a big part of aphasia. <laughs> exactly. Um, and you know what? With my kids, what, what's the term you just used? Differability. differability yep. I'm going to use that. It's, it's so, it's
1: just flows. It flows. I like the, I the other example that you gave, um, the other term, differently abled. Differently abled. abled. But I,
2: yeah. Differability Differability like its own word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank you, Tim. Yes. For that word. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> yes. Um, Cause now we can all use it
1: and spread it. Yeah.
2: So with them, a lot of that has been language, right? Speech and language. So they get PT, they get OT, they get speech. My older son gets an autism specialist. They have a Do lot you of support. Have, um, the kids going to school with OT, PT and speech in school. Yes. Okay. So it's provided in school by their IEPs. Yep. Um yeah. You're very familiar with I that had, uh, in IEP? Those in high mm-hmm. school too. Yeah. Keep going. So many acronyms that just float out there. IEP individualized education program or yes. plan. Yes. So I had they that. you had that, you're very familiar. I'm preaching to the childcare. I had here. one
1: of those too for a little while. Did you I had really? um speech issues. My myself and my younger brother Eric actually. Um, I couldn't pronounce, I want to say it was T's correctly. Mm. So I had an IEP I I e for a while. Um, and actually, um, I had, uh, and I still can't, I can't spell. My brain can't form those pathways to spell correctly. Mm. So I rely on spell check. Like <laughs> ninety percent of the God time. Thank God we
2: live when we do. Yeah, oh, so, definitely. And, and then I
1: actually was until I had switched school districts um and IEP because of my spelling. They they were like, I I remember going to a counselor and we would practice like spelling and trying to form those those pathways. Mm-hmm. It yeah. Just never never took.
2: And sometimes it does, and yeah. and sometimes it doesn't. And when it doesn't, you know, we just have to learn to accept ourselves mm-hmm. and accept other people. Where Mm -hmm. we're at. Right. Another thing that I think the greater community could do some work on, so to speak. Absolutely. But with the language, the speech Mm -hmm. and the language, they still struggle somewhat, Mm. but really historically a lot of that pragmatic language. Right. So that functional, if you will, speech, that's kind of how... I think of it. Could I give you an exact definition of pragmatic language? No, you know, my son could memorize it and he could tell you like that. Not that he'd know what it means, but he could memorize it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, you know, like who, where, what, when, why, how, all those questions. If you ask my younger son a question, likelihood is going to be you ask, what is that? He may say completely one of those other words. He'll give you an unrelated response sometimes, or he'll give you a response that, like, oh, he thought I was asking how instead of what right mm-hmm. um and so again it's like how is his brain receiving the language right it could be receiving it fine who knows but then is his expressive language is like you have to kind of pick through sometimes and see what he really means mm-hmm. my older son he didn't speak sentences till he was like 4 years old hmm. um and then you know it came a little more rapidly but everybody's Different is different and develops at a different time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the biggest things we can do as parents of kids with differability (laughs) (laughs) is to just um, try to really hard to understand where they are um, and advocate, advocate for what they need, because. You know, the school district or early intervention or any of these programs, they're not necessarily going to just hand you what your kids need. You have to explain for people what is going on, give examples. And if you feel like your child isn't getting the supports they need, you have to advocate. Um, And I think that's been huge. I think another thing that's really hard for us as parents of kids who are maybe not neurotypical is, um, fighting kind of that stigma or even shame. I'm just going to be real. Um, feeling like the world looks at your kids like, Oh, something's wrong with them. When really is there something wrong? No, there's nothing wrong with them. Do they function differently? Do they function in a way that maybe isn't, um, as skilled as you and I know, but I think a huge part of what I've come to learn is that they're not broken. Yeah, exactly. Right? They're not broken. And, and you're not yeah. broken. No. Right. You too. <laughs> I might be a little broken. <laughs> wow. <Well. laughs> They're not broken. Different is not broken.
0: Yeah.
2: Hey, everybody. We wanted to
0: tell you about our bonus episodes.
1: That's right. And you can find these episodes in three places. The first is going to be Apple Podcasts. The second is going to be our podcast hosting platform, Red Circle. You can find that on our website, dianazaparro.com. And the third and final place is Patreon. Our Patreon is where we have a lot more bonus content, including newsletters, Q&As, and much, much more. So make sure that you go check them all out. But our audio-only section on Apple Podcasts and Red Circle is available at a low price of $4.99 a month or $54 a year. And on Apple Podcasts, you can get a 7-day free trial, so you'll know if it's something that's worth it to you.
0: We are officially calling it a stroke of luck plus.
1: That's right. We hope to see you over there and we hope you enjoy the content.
0: Back to the show.
1: And that kind of that kind of brings us into our main topic that that I wanted to talk about today is being a mother of somebody with a disability or a parent in general Mm -hmm. and specifically um, the spec, was it it called spectrum disorder officially now?
2: Autism spectrum disorder. Autism spectrum
1: disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I heard you kind of transitioning into it. So we'll formally let our audience know Mm. you said that um, one of the things that you had to, to come to realize is there's no shame Mm. in having children with a Mm ability, Can you talk to us maybe about what that was like first, um, figuring out that you were the mother of, of children with differabilities and how you came to overcome that?
2: Absolutely. So for my older son, I started to realize around 17 months that something was different. Something was a little off compared to, you know, his cousin's, um, some of my friends, children, and I just knew in my gut, I don't know how I knew, but I knew. And, you know, he had some testing and, you know, they picked up other things like ADHD and whatnot, but, um, you know, he has autism, high functioning. And, um, for him, I think it was a little more clear cut, right? There's things that you notice, like, sure, the nonverbal piece, right? Or maybe um, hyperfixating. Like, for example, I mean, his brain is amazing. When he was 15 months old, by 15 months old, he had this fascination with the alphabet. So we had all these puzzles and we would make The ABCs is all he wanted to do. So we'd take his little Hot Wheels cars and we'd line them up and make, here's A, you know, (laughs) here's C. Mm -hmm. Um, But he knew the alphabet. But he was not verbal. But he was not verbal fully. He could say the letters and that's it. Could he use, um, could he really respond to you other than nodding? Yes or no. Mm -mm. But he knew it. And then by 17 or 18 months. This is part of me thinking something's a little a little different here. Mm-hmm. Cool. Neat, but different. He could do his ABCs with his puzzle not only backwards and be accurate but also upside down and backwards. The way that his wow. brain works. I was like, I feel dumb. <laughs> But he's it's amazing upside down and backwards, uppercase and lowercase. I mean, that is so and that's, odd. And
1: that's one thing that like when you say um, I had to get over the fact that I, I felt shame and that mm-hmm. there's nothing to be ashamed of, mm-hmm. especially um, with autism spectrum disorder. It's been proven that they're smarter oh. than than most people. And so when I when I hear people put somebody with that type of a differability down, I'm like, no, you they clearly are uneducated. But in in Tim said this when we had him on the show, if our entire country was run by people with autism, we probably would be living on the moon by now.
2: I love it (laughs) because they
1: really are so smart.
2: And I think it speaks, you know. I think any. Anywhere in the spectrum, there's definitely a level of intelligence there Mm. that we won't fully understand, right? Even if a person is nonverbal, we just don't know because we're not hearing it come out, but certainly it's in there. That's what I believe. Um, But yeah, the higher functioning individuals, you know, it's almost like their brains... use that portion of what would have been used for the social skills, not to stereotype. This is my own experience with my son, Mm -hmm. the social skills, the nonverbal cues. some of that pragmatic language, those things that a lot of people take for granted, it's almost like it rewires or reroutes it Mm -hmm. to that other part of the brain. Neuro. Yes. uh, Plasticity. Yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Aha. Um, I heard that. I don't know how, but (laughs) (laughs) you're learning to speak aphasia. That's how I used to work with people with aphasia. Okay. Well, then you're well versed. Yeah. Yeah. I, my, one of my first social work stints, if you will, was at an aphasia clinic. I loved it. Where? Nazareth college. (gasps) Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, (laughs) I went to Nazareth.
2: it. I For, do squirrel. Um, I follow
0: bunny trails and squirrels. couple Let's go. of semesters. You went to Nazburg? Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. After my stroke. Yeah.
2: That's so ironic. What year was that?
0: Oh, 2013 to
2: 15. Okay. A little bit after. Darn. We just barely missed each other.
0: I know. Interesting. That is so yeah. crazy. So I follow you.
2: Uh, yeah, I get where you're going. Uh, yeah. You just do you. <laughs> you just do you. Um what were you saying before that? See? Oh, we were just talking Squirrels. about how uh, yeah. funny. how
1: unlocked people with uh, autism spectrum disorder, how unlocked their brains are yeah, and yes. they they get there by sacrificing Certain other parts of their brain.
2: I totally you see know. that. I and I agree with you there are plenty of studies that show that um yet as a parent and maybe even a person with that, those different abilities, different abilities, I think there is still shame Yeah. because people want to feel like they belong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a parent, you want your children to fit in, but they're not always going to fit in. And what happens, what happens when you start to notice that other children aren't necessarily playing with your child? What happens when you notice Mm -hmm. your child gravitates to maybe a little bit younger kids because socially that's where they're at, maybe just a couple years younger and that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. I have friends Mm -hmm.
1: that are 20, Mm -hmm. 21.
2: I wish I was still 20 or 21.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But why do, why do we shame little kids when, when they're doing that? Mm
2: -hmm. Exactly. And if that's where they're comfortable and that's where they're at, let them learn, let them learn and they'll. They may catch up. They may not. And if they don't, it's okay. Um, I had a fifth
0: year of high school, too. You did? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you feel doing that? I felt like I was older than the kids in my class. And- don't lie,
1: Deanna. You were walking around bullying them.
0: <laughs> oh. I'm older than you. Give me your lunch money. <laughs> No, 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 no. But yeah, I mean, I had like half a day going to high school and then I had one class at my college. So it was like a split day. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. But I graduated in my class, but the following year I went
2: back to school or
1: you had to finish up
2: uh, yeah it's nice that you got to graduate with your peers though yeah yeah nice they let you do that and you don't Find that very often I in, in school districts, you really don't.
1: We have a long way to come with as far as school districts too. We do catching up. Um,
2: I'm really grateful for where my sons are. They are one of the best school districts for special needs, and
1: that's what I've heard is yeah. that that they really do a good job.
2: They do. Yeah. You still have to advocate, of oh, course. Absolutely. You know, at the end of the day, things come down to funding, right? Well, like funding, and yeah.
1: if you look at the education system in our country too. It's like a factory. It really is. You're pushing kids through. It's just like, it's the nature of education. And I experienced this a little bit when I worked with the deaf community at RIT, is that a lot of the deaf community would be many years behind in school because the tendency was if you didn't have somebody advocating for you and you weren't at a school for the deaf, um, they would just pass you on to the next grade, next person's problem, next person's problem. And it's not just one school, it's an institutionalized problem. But the resources are there if you're, you're advocated for, if you have parents that in being in a a deaf community, if you have parents that learn sign language and teach sign language, We, we actually had deaf students at RIT didn't even learn sign language because nobody wanted to teach them. And so they were, it was, it's just wild. And then on the other hand, where people are advocated for, where they go to schools that have programs for that, either schools for the deaf or schools with ASL um, services, they they grow up to feel a part of a community. And deaf culture is an entire community in and of itself mm-hmm. where they have a different language. They have different cultural norms. And so that's that's just one example of the power of advocating. We
2: have a lot of work to do kind of everywhere, really. Really do, yeah. <laughs> right. And I think another struggle, you know, with any school district, um, just the nature of like back to IEPs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're so academically driven. That's how they're they're wired to be. But not all of your students' main struggles are academic, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And some of those other struggles heavily influence how well they're gonna do in academics. Mm-hmm. So I think it's sometimes a struggle to look beyond just the academics and to kind of justify okay, we still need the supports and services going because that's what's really driving the success mm-hmm. in the academics, right? Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a parent or somebody who's advocating for you as one of those students, it's easy to fall through the cracks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it, it should, it shouldn't be like that I agree. because, you know, especially as the years go on, it's really hard to survive in this world. And, you know, as, as a parent, you're doing all that you can to provide for your family and it's not intentional, but, I'm sure there are many cases where it's like your your kids problems in school don't become apparent because there's so much going on and there should be a system in the school that picks up on that and their first response isn't to fail them or to send them back or to call you your your kid has a problem mm-hmm. it should be more of a proactive approach
2: and that's a good word because quite often it's not a proactive approach it's a it's a reactive approach. And I understand some of that because Mm -hmm. you have to have the data and in the testing to be able to justify, okay, this child needs extra support. But sometimes it's a little too reactive where Mm -hmm. it takes months and months and months to get something in place. And Mm -hmm. then your child is even more, you know, behind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Yeah. And let's face
1: it. Schools are part of the government and government and efficiency are words that do not go together. (laughs) Government efficiency and I'm from the government. I'm here to help. Two things that just they don't go together. <laughs> I
2: love it. Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, guys, we need to tell you about our sponsor, Cardinal Artworks.
1: That's right. Cardinal Artworks is our exclusive provider of really great merchandise.
0: They have cutting boards T-shirts, cups, you name it.
1: That's right. Scott and Christina over at Cardinal Artworks are amazing. They're also the exclusive provider of all of the merchandise for the Deanna Zapparo and a Stroke of Luck brand. So make sure you check them out. We're gonna have a link in the podcast description below.
0: Enjoyed the show.
1: What do you what are your worries and
2: mm, for, for the future with yeah. you
1: and your and your children?
2: Oh boy. I mean There's a lot there,
1: a lot to unpack. I I think.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, as the more you get to know me, you'll realize that I do a lot of bunny trails too. And like, Oh look, a shiny thing or a squirrel. So I maybe we'll go back a little bit into Mm -hmm. your, your last question, if that's okay. Absolutely. Which was talking about like, how did I realize maybe they were a little different and what was going on and then the stigma, the shame. Right. So, um, from a younger son. He was born eight weeks early. Uh, he was a NICU baby. Thank God for only like a month. That was like, they were like, wow. we don't even know how. Wow. And I was like, I know how, but that's me. I'm <laughs> definitely a person of faith. And I know that for me, like that me was a miracle. Yeah. They said he was a miracle baby and I totally believe it. Um, So for him, it was different. Like he didn't have these major things that stood out like my older Deficits. son, like, yeah, he was just, um, you know, I said before we started rolling global developmental delays. So all domains of development, um, whether it be speech, physical, um, cognitive, anything like that was moderately to severely delayed. Um, and you know, still is in some ways he's making some great progress But, you know, so for example, um, you know, he couldn't support, he couldn't hold his head up at five months old. Um, I have pictures of his first birthday. I had to prop him up and like stage it. He couldn't sit up on his own. Wow. Till he was 13 months old. Oh, wow. So a month later, he finally had like more core strength. He started early intervention at five months old and thank God for that program. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, really those programs are meant to support the work you're doing at home one-on-one with your child. But, you know, if you're like a single parent and you're working all the time, it—it it, it, reality is it can be difficult to be there. You can't be there 24-7, right? right? right. The just, world's
1: not designed for no, that. It, it is but not. The world will leave you behind, and that's unfortunate.
2: It will. Absolutely. All the more reason to advocate and to just really push those skills, right? Yeah. Um. So, you know, he's... Right now, you know you can I can't wait till you meet him honestly, both of them you're gonna love them, but you'll notice that you know he's socially younger than he is, and but he's he's both the happiest of your child children or the both five years but the old. the five year old the younger one he's yeah. the one with the global delays yeah. um and in some ways, he's catching up really well, like the speech and language has come a long way um You know, but for a while, I just was thinking like, is he ever going to be normal? I hate that word. I really do. But it's a word society uses. Maybe not
1: normal, but Mm -hmm. uh, functional in society.
2: I would have been happy for that. Because (laughs) if
1: you think about it, you can be not, quote, normal and function in society,
2: you can if you be unique find, and y- different, exactly. which the world celebrates. Exactly, but it's funny because there's kind of this line, right? You can be unique and different, but only to this point, and then we right. think you're once a people little,
1: start noticing, yes. I'm, and I believe here's another uh, quick funny moment from Tyler's dad joke library. Maybe I firmly believe if we had superheroes in real life, we would bully them to the point where we no longer had superheroes mm. because they're different. And we don't like different. Mm.
2: We don't. We we try to tell, you know, kids growing up, oh, be yourself, be different, as, be unique. As
1: long as you fit in X, this Y, box. Z.
2: And many people with disabilities just do not fit in a box. They don't even fully fit in the box of their diagnosis, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because nobody's a cookie cutter diagnosis. Um. So I think one of the things for me getting over any feelings of shame. And then you feel shame saying I had feelings of shame. Right. Right. Because again, because, we okay. don't
1: like to talk about our emotions.
2: Oh, I'm fine with that. I'm a social well, worker. I do that all day long. So, soci- society, <laughs> society does it. Yeah. You're right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you feel like, oh my gosh, what a bad parent am I that I have these actual feelings of shame from mm-hmm. the stigma of my child's differability differently abled. Right. So you have to admit that. You have to come to a place where you're like, this is how I feel. This is how I really feel about this. Now, how do I get through this? And everybody copes in a different way. For me, it was my faith and the support of my family and friends. Um, But really, you know, at the core, why is it? Why is it that I feel there's something wrong with my child? Because society is telling me that. Sure, there are limitations, you can obviously tell that some things are delayed or behind or a little different. Why is that bad? Especially if they're able to really function. Right. Mm -hmm. Why is that bad? Yeah. It's not, they're not broken. They're just different. It's like having, you know, I think of disabilities as like a rainbow, right? Um, We have the typical colors of the rainbow that we see, but what if a disability is just a different color of the rainbow? And it's beautiful in its own right. And when you add that that to the rainbow, it enhances it. Right. Mm -hmm. That's how I think of my children. And that's how I think of their peers in class. And it's how I think of disabilities in general, because it is. There is beauty. There is beauty in what people think is broken.
0: Is your kids like going to class? How many kids in the class
2: Oh, is
1: it a reduced class? Oh,
2: so my older son is in general education. Okay. And I love our school district because they're not super huge classes. I think he's got like 15 kids in his class or something like okay. that. Right now it's fluctuating a little bit right now. Yeah. Um, My younger son's in a 12-1-1. Okay. So 12 students with disabilities, mm-hmm. one teacher, one aide, and actually he has two aides which is really nice because a lot of school districts don't have yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But now actually as of a couple of days ago, I had his CSE meeting and um, they're saying he's grown so much that they, oh. we have to really look, we have to really look at where does he belong next school year? For and it's exciting.
0: A possibly regular classes. Possibly with a
2: lot of supports. So we have to, you know, kind of the next couple of months are going to be really intensely looking at him. He's going to actually, um, have some gen ed classes, and the aides are going to go, and they're going to step back and say, "Let's see how much he can actually do on his own." Right. I have some reservations as a mama bear, I right. do, but honestly, mama, how bear. proud
1: are you that that they're even considering that? You're like, he's succeeding.
2: I'm so proud of him, and that's what everybody's saying. We're so proud of him. Everybody's just like, look how far he's come. You know, even in even the past couple of months. Yeah. Um. I think he's starting to pick up a little, too, and he's proud of himself. It is so So,
0: amazing. Yeah,
2: Yeah, so, like, for example, like, um, potty training was very late for him because he just, he really struggled to understand the concept. And, sure, it's hard for any kid, and let's face it, boys take longer anyways. (laughs) But, you know, he's very proud that he can now do that. Boys do take longer. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) Well, unless it's uh, Luna. (laughs)
2: Oh my gosh. My
0: dog. Man, she is is one and a half years right now and still pee in the house.
2: I just love her. So, guys, except for
1: Luna. But wait a
2: second. Okay. You mean guys plus Luna? Plus Luna. (laughs) Is Luna a guy? No, I think you're saying she's a girl. (laughs) Anyways, so we're all very proud of him and, um, at the same time, like my mama bearness is like, well, hold on. You're not going to just drop him, are you? You're not just going to stick him in a gen ed class and say, bye, good luck, because that ain't going to work. Oh, Let's definitely. be real right. about what those supports and services look like. Just because he can be doing great ap- academically doesn't mean everything else is fine and dandy.
0: You should consider having a note taker like one-on-one.
2: For my little guys? Yeah.
0: Well, your uh, five-year-old. Yeah. Next year.
2: He is... I have to think outside the box a little with some of Mm -hmm. these things, because I never would have thought of that.
1: Do you have um, services for any of your kids through either Access VR or Heritage? No. So they have provided um, a lot of what Deanna's talking about, so her... And I always get it wrong. So it's probably whatever I say, it's probably going to be the opposite service. Um, Her note takers paid through XSVR.
0: No. (laughs) I told you.
1: So Heritage pays Uh, through her her note taker.
0: Right now. But before like college in high school, um, the first couple of months having a regular note taker with me. Mm -hmm. After my stroke. And
1: was that done through the school district?
0: Correct. And my mom asked for a different note taker, like a kind of a not good note taker, but like, here's my notes before my stroke. And that is not the same notes now, with my note taker mm-hmm. prior, mm-hmm. and I my mom asked for that. And a woman was at Bosey's, and having Bosey's came every day wow. for me to have her notes after that going into college um i had heritage christian services pay for my note taker nice yeah
1: so tie tie it back in See, can you do it no <laughs> <laughs> all right so um heritage and access vr are basically brokers for state programs um So those would be options, but I was thinking while Deanna was talking, what would a note taker, how would a note taker benefit your kids? And my thought was, and it would entirely depend on their needs, but potentially do they learn better if they're all in on absorbing the information and then somebody else could memorialize the information for them but on the other hand, D, um, like Eric, my my brother, his way of learning, he had to memorialize the information, so a note taker wouldn't have worked for him, because if he didn't put it on paper, it might as well not have been learned in the first place. Mm-hmm. So
2: I think when my um, younger son is older, I mean, there's a lot of time. There's a lot that could change, exactly. right? But I could yeah. he's, he's kind of. <laughs> He's kind of all over the map. He's so happy <laughs> and so active, like I could kind of see like, oh, that my ground ground him a little. Here are the main points. Mm-hmm. Um my older son, though, you're talking about a lot of that pragmatic language, right? So you could you could have him read a paragraph, and you could ask him, what did that mean? What was that about? I don't well, know I don't know. But mm-hmm. he really is like because there's something about some part of his brain that is not processing highlights right so
1: is he quantitative not qualitative meaning he could he knows the information but he can't tell you what the information means right
2: how did that character feel he might come up with the wrong emotion right right like cognitively yeah your italian
1: showing will you beat the crap out of your mic again
2: yeah (laughs) i'm sorry yeah um yeah, so it's like it's content, right? So yeah. like his reading comprehension is one thing that could use some some work. Has come a long way. I mm-hmm. I want to celebrate that. I don't want to you know minimize the work and the progress, but you know a note taker in that sense, I'm not sure because reading aloud too, reading aloud, having someone Processed. read to him that auditory, mm-hmm. and even then sometimes it like it's tough because yeah. it's like you know he could. He could probably recite what you just read to him. But if you ask him for who was the main character, yeah, he could probably come up with that. But what's the main point of this story? What's the moral of the story? I don't know. (laughs) And he's so smart. And it's just so fascinating, though, like what parts of the brain he's using and what parts he's not. Because how can you know every single flag of the world like he does? He knows every flag of the world. And things like that that, that interest so him. Oh, my gosh. He knows awesome. the, like, he's he's also into, like,
0: what's that? And your son is five.
2: Oh, that's my eight-year-old. Eight. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, yeah. She's got eight. two. I have two. I, I know. That's <laughs> why, like, I have these dark circles under my eyes. And my glasses are hiding. <laughs> yeah, no, I have two boys. Um, yeah, so he's got, like, these extreme interests of, like, know all the flags of the world he can know um he's really into this this one i never even knew was a thing but every country has an emergency alert system right Mm -hmm. you hear like the tone on the tv this is just a test of blah 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 well america's is different than canada's is different than um great britain's is different than ireland's and he can hear the sound and he can tell you which countries it is and he will be right and then he'll pair it to which flag it goes to but then you read him up Paragraph and ask him what was the main concept in that. I don't know. It's just fascinating how the brain works. Just nine one
0: one. That is United States, like nine one one. Oh yeah, yeah, it's different in every exactly. Country. But different. Canada is something oh, no, else. No, I, don't I don't. I don't. Now I'm curious really what know. it is. <laughs>
1: But yeah, and and you're you're talking and it reminds me so much of my brother Eric. Oh, yeah? And because he was the same way, he he really struggled in school because if it wasn't an interest to him, it wasn't it wasn't that he couldn't do it. It's that his just his brain was other places. And my my mom really worried about him. And uh it it turns out he he's doing fine. Of course, he was very mild but mm-hmm. when you're younger the, the it seems to be in his case um it was a lot worse there were there were times where i can remember you were like holy crap like all this kid wants to do is learn about baseball this year <laughs> and if it wasn't baseball it did not exist
2: i see that too and i yeah. think there's you know, I think that we don't even realize when as we grow and move through the school system, how much of our learning is actually socially motivated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So we realize we have to learn about things that we're not interested in, right? Oh yeah. Because 90% of what
1: I learned in school I could care less
2: about. Exactly. I when Same do I ever yeah. use yeah. a parallelogram? Like yeah. what? No, <laughs> no exactly. It, we're we're
1: trying to give everybody everything yeah. instead of what they need.
2: Mm-hmm. But we there's a part of maybe more neurotypical mm-hmm. students and I don't want to sound stereotypical but this is my perspective there's a there's a part of more neurotypical students who will say I want my teacher to be happy with me or I want to do what's expected I want to follow the norms mm-hmm. I want to whatever and there's a huge social motivation there but if you are for example you have ASD and maybe in your circumstance, that social motivation piece is just, just not, not there. there. Yeah. You don't pick up on the fact that like, you know, like there are certain social things you're doing that your peers are like, what? And you're, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. That kind of you're a little shielded from the opinions that's, of others. And that's but. why
1: when we're, when we're around Eric and um, when he doesn't stop talking, remember when him and Dakota got into an argument? And
0: always Eric,
1: right. Eric was like, it, it was on cranberry sauce. Eric thought the, that his cranberry sauce was the bee's knees and that's all he cared about. And he, he just couldn't pick up on the social cue that the rest of us didn't like it. And that's okay, but mm-hmm. we don't need to stick on this topic. Mm-hmm. And then my other brother likes to antagonize him and do the brother thing. And so they go back and forth, but he
2: Thicker. just,
1: he, and he doesn't Others. pick up on the social cues.
2: Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, and he, graduated high school in 2021 i don't know no this your brother
1: my brother they graduated college
0: oh did i say high <laughs> school <laughs> it's all right <laughs> i'm so sorry sorry eric <laughs> yeah no
1: he's uh he's
0: college sorry from, sorry all sorry young,
1: all three of my younger brothers actually now make more money than i do so worked yep. out for the best for them
2: I'm a social worker. Never Money will never be part of the picture. I've just yeah. come to accept that. All for the cause. Mm-hmm. So anyway. we've
1: been talking for probably about a half hour, 40 minutes or so. So um, we'll close out the show. But mm-hmm. do you have any any final comments or anything that you want to you know talk about before we end it?
2: Well, first of all, just thank you for having me. I could go on forever and ever and ever yeah. on this topic because well, it's the near good and dear thing to my, my heart. You're more than welcome <laughs> exactly. to come back and talk
1: on the topic. Whenever you want. So
2: thank you. Yeah. Um, let me take you up on that. Um, I guess just a final thought for me is really um at least what's been on my heart the last Mm -hmm. couple of years is inclusion, right? Mm. And I you know, you think small scale about your own kids' lives or your own loved ones' life, and how do we make them feel included? How do we educate people about differences? But then I have to go there a little more, you know, macro scale mm-hmm. because it's the social worker in me. Yeah. How do you educate society on the fact that different is okay? And right. maybe that takes decades, maybe that takes a lifetime. But that's what I would really like to see.
1: And to wow. to yeah. piggyback off of your your um your thought, how do we take that into the workforce to allow people with different abilities mm-hmm. to further their independence.
2: And it's not just accommodations, right?
1: No, exactly. It needs to be more.
2: It's the intangibles, mm-hmm. right? You can give this person a modified modified equipment of some sort. You can give people, um, I don't know, whatever it is that they really need to be able to be successful in the, mm-hmm. in, the in the workforce. But what are the intangibles? How about having coworkers who make them feel included, mm-hmm. right? How about um, getting together with people outside of work, everybody, not just the neurotypical yeah. people or some right, right. people not because not all exactly. And those are the things that are really going to make yeah. the difference,
1: and there's a lot of hard, immovable rules in the corporate world where, you work eight hours a day, five days a week,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and somebody with a disability, different ability, may not be able to do that. They mm-hmm. they might only be able to put in four hours a day. Mm-hmm. So that accept the acceptance that that's them, and we should mold ourselves around them. The company is arguably much more flexible mm-hmm. than a person. So if if you're like, we expect you to work eight hours a day in the grind well, you're not going to get that productivity. That's not, that's not inclusive.
2: I don't know that I can even be that productive (laughs) and like you get burnt out, but you're right. And the heart I think of that is they have something to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you can just, in an ideal world, everybody would be able to have something tailored so they can operate at their best. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think what we sometimes forget, and I love where you're going with this, is that people with differability, who are differently abled, not neurotypical, all of these terms, have something to bring. And how do we draw that out of them? How do we set up a workforce or a system or a society that draws out the good?
1: And and if we can unlock that answer to that question, we can unlock what they have to offer. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. And then it's not us and them right
1: it's it's us us and
2: that's the goal and
1: i i can't think of a better place to close out the episode than that.
2: (laughs) well thank you so much for joining us today this has been fun thank you
1: i can't wait for you to see the final video Uh, i don't know uh, if i
2: can watch it but thank you uh, (laughs) you can
1: you might be able to listen to it
2: (laughs) i'll probably listen yeah Yeah. (laughs) thanks guys